0: surrender that I've talked to you about so far has been external. I've I've talked about surrendering our circumstances and our situations and our finances and uh, our relationships and our work and and this morning I, I want to begin talking to you about surrendering our soul. I know many of you, most of you have been taking what I've I've been teaching to heart. Many of you have talked to me about specifics and how relevant this word surrender is in your life. Actually, the entire time I've been aiming at these next three Sundays, this theme in my own life and heart. And so I've just kept at it because it's what the Lord's teaching me. But uh, I want to begin talking about surrendering our soul to the Lord. In Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah, approximately 800 years before Jesus, has a prophetic vision. And in several chapters, he prophesies the crucifixion of Jesus, the suffering servant, the one who took our pain and our sickness and our sin and the one who goes to the slaughter like a lamb. But in verse 12 of chapter 53, Isaiah makes this statement that he, that he's prophesying about Jesus, he poured out his soul unto death. So last week I told you that we find strength in three different places. We find we have strength in our body and our body needs fed. And we have strength in our soul and our soul needs fed and we have strength in our spirit and our spirit needs fed. This verse says that Jesus poured out his soul unto death. Our soul is our, our willpower, our desires, our plans, our thoughts, our emotions, our personality. And this particular prophecy where he poured out his soul took place in the garden it started in the garden we'll say that or it reached maybe maybe it didn't even start there it started before that because he said that he was powerfully moved and set on getting to jerusalem and and that he was agitated until the work was over but it reached its climax in the garden where he's sweating blood as he prays, essentially two things. We can see in John 17, and the other Gospels talk about Jesus praying, Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then in John 17, he's praying for us. But he's sweating blood while he's doing it. That's some really powerful emotion. He was pouring out his soul, literally emptying himself of himself. Because Jesus, the human man, could not do what was coming in a few hours. He needed the strength of the Spirit of God. But if we don't pour out our soul then there isn't room for the Spirit of God to fill us. But there is this emptying ourselves of self in order to obey God, in order to receive the Spirit of God. Paul mentions it at the end of his life. Um, He says of himself in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul's an older man by this time. It wasn't actually the end of his life yet. Um, We don't know exact scriptural dates of his last trip and his execution, but church history tells us about that. And when he wrote this, uh, 2 Timothy is the last letter that he wrote that we have, and he's an older man, but he's not at the end of his race, so he's not talking about physically dying that's not going to happen till later and he didn't die of old age he was beheaded but when he tells Timothy I am already being poured out as a drink offering he's saying to Timothy and to us I am expending myself in the service of Jesus I am growing emptier of me I don't believe for a moment that he was emptier he's just emptier of himself because Jesus swaps places with whatever we're willing to surrender so in sports in our world we have the phrase he left it all on the field left it all on the court somebody that can hardly stand up (laughs) after the game because they gave it all that's what Paul and Jesus did not at a physical level but in their soul. I have drained myself of everything I have to obey God. And we can do that too. Again, I'm not talking about physical exertion. I'm talking about an emptying ourselves of ourselves. So the picture is Jesus in the garden on his knees, alone because the disciples are asleep they were so sorrowful they couldn't stay awake but he was way more sorrowful than they were and he couldn't go to sleep and and he begins to sweat blood it seems clear to me that what is happening there is he's being squeezed and literally, his insides are coming out. He's not being physically squeezed. He's being emotionally, at his, and his soul is being squeezed out of his body. And there are three pictures I want to use this morning to show you what that's like. Two are kind of scriptural, and one is a Bible story, but in the ancient world... They grew a lot of olives. Those on the top left are 1,000-year-old olive trees. Still alive today. And here's what raw olives right off the tree look like. And in the ancient world, next picture, they would use stone presses to smash the olives, to squeeze the olives To get the oil out. This one over here on the right is, and you roll that donut-shaped wheel around in that press and just crush the olives. And what comes out? Olive oil. Olive oil in the Bible is always a picture of our spirit. What does God need to do to get us to function spiritually? He's got to squeeze us. And when someone is squeezed, we always see what's inside. What is inside comes out. Either it's anger, blame, defensiveness, or it's sweetness and forgiveness and faith and joy and encouragement. I believe that Jesus in the garden was being pressed like an olive And and out came the Holy Spirit. His very blood is the Spirit of God. Another picture from Bible times is is grapes. And if you know how wine was made, now it's all mechanical, but it used to be that grapes get picked off the vine. You put them in a big vat, and then they would stomp them. Get barefoot and... Stomp the grapes to get the juice out. Juice is collected at the bottom of the vat, and the gra- go, we go from grapes to a big, slushy mess. Anybody uh, ever felt like God? I did. I was bearing fruit at one point, and I thought it looked pretty good. And now I've been stomped. and it's a big old, slushy mess. Guess what the Bible says the one that treads the grapes is Jesus. Squish me so that what's inside comes out. If we want to be poured out wine, we got to <laughs> we got to let Jesus tromp us. <laughs> it's certainly never out of punishment. In fact, Jesus, this isn't punishment at all. Uh, This isn't the wrath of God. It isn't because we did anything wrong. It's because the fruit is ripe and it's ready to be used. And I'm ready to take what you have grown in your life, what I have grown in your life. This is what the Lord says. I'm ready to take what I have grown in your life. It's now mature and it's ripe and it's good. And I'm going to take it from you and smash it. And turn it into wine that is my spirit. And you're going to bring life to everyone around you. But to do that, I have to press you. I have to squeeze you. I want to read you uh, something that Oswald Chambers wrote 100 years ago. In the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. He starts with the scripture, John seven thirty eight. He who believes in me out of his heart will flow. If we believe in Jesus, something will always be coming out of us. To finish the sentence, Jesus said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he just takes a little phrase there, out of his heart will flow. In essence, Jesus says, he who believes in me will have everything he receives escape out of him. Everything that the Lord has taught you Everything he's done to you, everything he has deposited in you, all of the lessons you've learned, all the wisdom you've gained, all the maturity you have grown into in the Lord, every bit of service and help you could give anybody else, God wants that to come out of you. And to come out of you, we have to be squeezed like the olive, like the grape. In essence, Jesus says, He who believes in me will have everything he receives escape out of him. Our Lord's teaching was always anti self realization. His purpose is not the development of a person, his purpose is to make a person exactly like himself. And the Son of God is characterized by self expenditure. If we believe in Jesus, it's not what we gain, but what he pours through us that really counts. God's purpose is not simply to make us beautiful, plump grapes, but to make us grapes so that he can squeeze the sweetness out of us. Our spiritual life cannot be measured by success as the world measures it, but only by what God pours through us, and we cannot measure that at all. When Mary of Bethany broke the flask of very costly oil and poured it on Jesus' head, it was an act for which no one one else saw any special occasion. In fact, there were some who said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? But Jesus commended Mary for her extravagant act of devotion. Wherever this gospel is preached and what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Our Lord is filled with overflowing joy when he sees any of us doing what Mary did. Are we prepared to pour out our lives for him? He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now is the time for us to break the flask of our lives, to stop seeking our own satisfaction and to pour out our lives before him. Our Lord is asking who of us will do it for him. That's my utmost for his highest, the reading from September 2nd. So Oswald Chambers references the story of Mary pouring out her perfume to, on Jesus. So we're going to read that in Luke 7 and John 12. It's in all four Gospels. Luke seven thirty six to 38 says, When one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And in John 12, it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii is essentially a year's salary. I've talked to you about that recently. So just think of whatever you make in a year, just all at once, just dumping that on Jesus. She makes quite a scene of extravagant love for Jesus But what I want to focus on this morning is the broken jar. Some translations say box, but it's really a type of clay jar that didn't have a stopper on the top because the fragrance was so strong and potent it had to be just made in wet clay and then sealed and the clay dried and it had to all be given at once. It was literally all or nothing. When a perfumer would open this bottle, it had to be used and somehow... She has this extremely valuable jar of raw tree resin that was made in perfume production. One of the nicest smells in the world, I guess. It's quite a fragrance. But she just smashes the jar and dumps it on Jesus. To the point that in every practical way, it is a waste. It had value and tremendous value. And it could have been sold or used it as inheritance or something but she's just so in love with Jesus she's so thankful that she just smashes the jar and dumps it all on him because there isn't holding any back so I want to compare that to the olives and the grapes that Mary's bottle represents our soul there are circumstances in our life that we don't choose we didn't ask for God just does them to us. And we feel like the all live in that press and the rock just rolled over my head. <laughs> and I got smashed. That's God making, bringing the oil and the wine out of us. But Jesus didn't ask Mary for this. And he wouldn't dare. He never would have. She just voluntarily says, here, you just have everything. Have the most valuable thing that I have. Take it all. I just... Dump it on you in extravagant, wasteful love. That's a picture of us pouring out our soul. That's a picture of us breaking ourselves open and just letting it all run out on Jesus. This is, in Scripture, the most valuable thing anybody ever gave the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't need our service and he doesn't need our money. And he doesn't need our stuff and our things and our Bible studies and our, all the things we think we're doing for him. He wants you. And all of the surrender that I've talked to you about so far, surrendering your unsaved kids and grandkids and surrendering your finances and surrendering your emotions and your, your anger and angst with the world and just being at peace, all of that is really just practical common sense wisdom for you to live a good life what I'm talking to you about this morning is giving your very self to God and that isn't practical it is totally wasteful God I could make this money I could build this business I could work and own this and build that and do this and go here and have this but But no, I choose to drain me for you. And I will live for whatever purpose you have for me. Voluntarily, I surrender my soul. And I pour myself out as a drink offering. A drink offering was a cup of wine that pagans and the Israelites did this. It was part of the offering ceremony at the altar of, of Yahweh God and of whatever idol that the Greeks were worshiping or the Romans or whoever, they would have a large cup of wine and they would just pour it out on the ground. They would lift it up to the gods and give it to them as an offering. That made it holy to that God, dedicated to that God. And Yahweh received offerings of, drink offerings of wine also. In the temple in Jerusalem, in the tabernacle of Moses, they would lift up the wine and then they would just pour it out on the ground from every practical viewpoint, completely wasted. And the, the earth, the ground, represents just daily life and the dirt of humanity. So pouring out our soul, it includes us giving him all of our emotions and our thoughts and dreams and hopes and visions and our career and giving, giving all of that to him to do whatever he wants with. But at a practical level, it's just, Lord, I will waste my life living in the dirt. Heidi Baker says, I'm just one little woman living in the dirt. If you don't know who Heidi Baker is, you should find out. Lives in East Africa, a war zone, and just loves people. She has a PhD, could be anywhere else in the world than in a Muslim terrorist war zone. But I pour myself out in the dirt to love these hurting and broken people that need hope. At a practical level, everyday life level, that's what it looks like to pour out our soul. Is Lord, I, I just, whatever you want, even it looks like a total waste, here I am, I'm yours. I pour myself out. I break myself open, press the oil, press the oil out, Lord. Stomp out the wine. And then at the end of that process, I look like something completely different than I did before you started. But you have my soul. Well, guess what? If you voluntarily do that, like Mary, just pour out your perfume. It may seem like the grape got destroyed. It may seem like the jar is now empty. It's broken, but but in Christ, you're never empty. Because when you pour yourself out, guess who gets to move in? This is the way to be filled with the Spirit of God. This is the way to receive Jesus Christ. Just like John the Baptist said, he has to increase and I have to decrease. You have a capacity. The Bible compares us to a jar and a cup. We have a capacity, and if I'm full of me, Jesus can't move in. No matter what I sing or pray or think my, or doctrinally declare, if I'm full of me, Jesus ain't in me. If I pour myself out, he moves in, and I'm never empty, my cup overflows. In the natural, when the grape gets stomped, it's just, it just ceases to exist. In the spirit, Jesus can squeeze wine out of you, and you're still full. In fact, it's the only way to be filled is to let him squeeze you. So what I'm referring to this morning is not some thing that the Lord wants from you. Not your wounds, not your sin, not your effort, your praise, your money, your work, your emotions, not any piece of you. That's, he does want all of that. But what I'm referring to specifically this morning is your very self, your soul. The very core essence of who you are, like the grape and the olive and the perfume bottle. I, I give up who I am. Go back and remind you of what Oswald Chambers says that Jesus is anti-self-realization. Our world is all about self and who am I and what's my identity and I have to figure out my self and I have a right to be me and I have a right to express myself and, and uh, I got to figure out who I am and I got to build my brand and all of this the selfishness but Jesus is anti-self-realization not in any way of I don't have any value or that my life doesn't matter or that what I want doesn't matter when I talk about pouring on our soul it's not to stop caring or desiring or trying surrender is not passive I'll say it one more time What I want and think and care about and what you want and think and care about matters very much, which is what makes it the most valuable thing you can give to Jesus. It's not that Jesus doesn't value what you want out of your life. He knows that's the most valuable thing about you. So when you give that up to give it to him, he receives that as the most precious and valuable thing you can give. I surrender myself which is the most valuable thing about me, to what he wants. So we're not devaluing self at all. Self is the most valuable gift possible. And we give it in love. I give myself up to love you, Lord. I have a right to my opinions and desires and needs and career and money and time, but, but I give it all up. I surrender it all. Whatever wine you want to make out of my life, Lord, you do it. Anybody want to say amen to that? Okay. (laughs) I know, I see you're nodding. Yeah, You're not smiling, but you're nodding. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just, let's take a minute and I'm just going to be silent for a moment. Let you tell Jesus whatever you want to tell him.